Hello, everyone, um, and welcome to podcast number 18, um, Grief and Loss, the sequel. Um, I don't know if everybody wants to say hello quickly. Hello. 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 Crescendo of hellos. Um, yeah, I, we're sort of doing a sequel, a follow-up to Grief and Loss, which was our, initially, I think it was our first podcast we did. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first time we did it, COVID had just struck and it felt kind of very new for everybody and everybody was sort of grappling with emotions and feelings. Um, but not only that, the physical kind of sense of actually not being able to leave the house and kind of go about our lives or, you know, managing uh, really, really difficult emotions at the time. And it felt like that this was a perfect time uh, to follow up um, the whole grief and loss, mainly uh, because we are actually however many months in now? Was it April? Oh, God. Um, Nine, ten? Yeah. Ten. Ten. Nearly a year. Ten months in. And I think at the time I listened back to the uh, podcast that we recorded right at the start of lockdown. Um, and, you know, actually, we thought we would all be back kind of like in some some kind of normality. Were we saying that? Um, we, you know, I think it was just like at the time it felt like that there was it was going to be a finite amount of time. So we would possibly get back to normal um, at some point. But here we are like 10 months on, Mm. we're still in lockdown. And, you know, I think the kind of subject of grief and loss is more real and more prevalent than ever. One of the things we started off with the podcast the first time around was uh, you asked Bob, like what grief and loss means to everybody. Um, and Tonya was like, you know, it's a real loss of sense of self. Um, it's not just kind of like physical uh, loss. It's a actual loss of like, you know, who you are. So I suppose a good place to start this time around is what does grief and loss mean for you right now? Yeah, so for me, um, I think it's like the little the little things, which aren't little things, but um, they are like sort of um, going to the doctor's um face to face seeing a doctor face to face or speaking to going to see the dentist it's always on about my teeth um so it's it's these little things school being wiped out massive things but all these things that have just like sort of been taken away all these normal daily routines that have just sort of um disappeared and they're not there no more and it is um it's it's surreal for me at the moment, still, 10, 10 months on. I thought it would have been done at Christmas. I don't know about other people, but the other day I was going down the street and there's this cinema being built in Hoxton. And I was thinking like, I feel like it's getting to the stage where I'm forgetting what it felt like to have the choice to go to the cinema. You know, like I think there was a novelty aspect like when we did the last recording, but it feels like now, I feel like I'm kind of, losing touch of what it felt like to just, yeah, be a bit like, oh, should we go to cinema tonight? Or should we do this? Or should we go and, it's a really weird feeling. And I've, and, and, and you know, the more that this kind of goes on, the more normalized it becomes to not do that. 
definitely. You know, I think um, the feeling of loss this time is actually sort of wrapped up in a feeling of being institutionalized. Like I haven't really left the house for, you know, nearly a year. I mean, obviously Ooh. just get, you know, the bare essentials, like, you know, a bit of food here, a bit of food there. Um, but my God, like I had, I was going to come into the office, uh, you know, just I don't know, like a month ago or something when we were just in between those kind of like, you know, that lockdown and going into tier four before Christmas. And like, you know, I completely freaked out about going outside, getting on the tube. And I think that was more around not, not actually catching possible COVID on the tube. It was actually kind of like a fear of like, you know, leaving the house and not knowing what to expect and kind of being out in, in the world again. So it's more of a feeling of getting more comfortable in or safe or feeling this kind of like kind of a false sense of security of the four walls. Um, and the outside is, you know, a little bit terrifying. Doesn't that happen with um, battery hens? Hmm. Like when they tried to like free battery hens, somebody should research this and check. But I'm pretty sure this is a bit of a phenomenon. So like if they're trying to kind of like free these little hens that have been caged their whole lives, they feel really terrified to go out because their cage is so familiar. Interesting. <laughs> that, that for me, what you said as well, Bex, though, is um, that's a, a grief that I feel in this as well a, a real grief that I feel in this is that um the togetherness has gone people are scared of people now and that that for me is something that really I feel I feel such a loss for that I feel that um you know there's such there's such a loss for togetherness and being around people people are scared of people now they don't want to you know there's so much thought putting into just leaving the house to go and do something to keep yourself safe and others safe that it's, it's you'd rather sort of stay and I think when I went I went into the office last week and I forgot how to use my oyster card and I was trying to put it in the the thing and I've done it a few times I thought what is wrong with this and I thought, yeah. oh, you don't do it like that you do it like this but it's just them little things that you kind of don't know it just sort of went out of my head for a mm. little second but that the, the uh, it's really sad that we're scared of each other and that I feel our togetherness has really gone and yeah I feel a lot of grief for that. It's kind of like dawning on me how much how antisocial I really am that that um I'm quite okay about not seeing people but there becomes a time when when I kind of like do actually long for that those kind of like interactions that are from from other people like in between the lockdowns I went and saw a some art that a friend had made and I saw a few other people um all socially distanced and it and it was quite kind of like scary that to be seeing so a few people that that were like I hadn't seen for ages all in in one go and like forgetting how to you know you socially interact with people you know um when there's not just one-to-one -one, you know conversation in between each other um but that kind of did me for for a while you know <laughs> uh but I think it's just like well Bob said there's got a reality of like oh yeah the cinema 
that those kind of options of like just doing something else because like you know you'd have to find the, your zone and like I go out and I walk and 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 so you kind of like get used to this kind of like we call said what it's every you know new normality of just you know having one person that you hook up with and go for a walk with and not even that far you know the same kind of streets around you don't go for miles um familiarity yeah I mean I I the more the more upsetting I think it is how much uh it it's People who I know that are generally quite able to cope with life are finding it really difficult. People who are especially working in the events industry or gigs and, and you know, haven't had any work all year and won't be looking like they're having any work this year and um, are really, really struggling. Uh, it's uh, sort of seeing people that you imagine are really kind of kind of strong and together and you know and their mental health is fucked and that's you know come apparent with the amount of suicides that, that uh, I personally know about and you know we can see you know with the statistics so it's, it's that kind of you know there's a is the reality of it and then there's a kind of like making do and kind of coping with your you know in the own way that you can um, but being aware of that kind of juxtaposition, I guess, you know. And what about you, Antonia? Like, how are you experiencing um, grief and loss yourself at the moment? I feel like it's such an overwhelming subject to talk about because I kind of don't know what I miss. There's some things I can't really say what I miss because they've just slowly fallen away gradually. It's only when I think about one person or one situation or some of the, I know, experiences I have, like just living in London before COVID, that I realise I don't have them anymore. Um, I, I feel like it's been such a process. I feel like the beginning was, for me, it was a novelty. I quite liked being locked up and shut down. Everything changed. It was like a bit of drama. It was cool. It was... I don't know, you kind of adapted. I think as it's gone on and on and on, like my emotions have definitely changed. I've got like more angry at stuff, definitely more frustrated. Um, I think the main thing I miss is, I miss London as a city because it's such a amazing city to live in and I haven't lived here long. So I feel like that exploration of London has been taken away from me everything's shut mm. and I suppose it's the people of London as well like we're all scared of each other now so even if you are somewhere where normally there's like a good feeling everyone's together um people you know you can't even like communicate that well with them like on a bus you know when someone's acting like a nutter on the bus and you kind of give a look to other people and you kind of have a private joke between you you can't do that anymore because you're all just masked up and I don't know I just feel like we've all lost so much without even realizing it because it's fallen away so slowly almost I think this kind of institutionalizing thing is really interesting because it's it's that thing, absolutely, of kind of being away for so long that you start to forget what 
life could be like. Mm. Mm. I had this moment the other day, like um, another one of my kind of um, jaunts, this time to Dalston. Um, and I was going and going for an eye test, really exciting. And um, walking down the street and I had this moment where I felt really sad because I kept passing by like Pret-Manger, McDonald's, it's ridiculous. But like there were these kind of places that were just really empty and the seating area was just empty and there was this real feeling of kind of desolation. And I remember just feeling like I'm not someone who like, you know, I can cook well, I'm not bothered about particularly kind of going out to eat and stuff. I'm not a hugely social person myself, but just recognizing that these social spaces don't exist anymore was really, really sad. And I remember just kind of walking past McDonald's and it was the third or fourth kind of place where people would eat that was empty and just feeling this real sadness and then kind of, you know, laughing because it was fucking McDonald's. But um, just being really conscious of, of, yeah, like kind of similar to what you were saying, Antonio, like kind of seeing London as a shell, like a bit of a kind of empty shell of what it was. Yeah, I don't, I don't get that because because where I live is really, really busy mm. all the time. I mean, the park obviously is busy. Topal is busy. Uh, uh, there's a road with loads of cafes and um, expensive shops and it's just generally busy all the time so I, I kind of you know unless I walk further go away go to Pratt and Dalston <laughs> then uh, I don't yeah I don't kind of see that mm. see the opposite I think the the vibe is different because Peckham where I live is still busy but I, my experience of it is I get angry at seeing that. Normally, it's one of the highlights of like a busy area because you're like, this is really cool. Everyone's out and about. Or if you go to the park, it's um, it's kind of nice. But now it's like a different emotion behind like that busyness. You're like, why is everyone out? What are you doing? I think that's what I'm missing. I'm missing like the emotion of response to London because it's just, there seems to be so much anger and resentment because you feel like if places are busy not not to enjoy it I I get that what you're saying I get really um because we're sort of you know we're stuck in following the rules and stuff like that and then these non-essential places are open and this is and it, and it really frustrates me and angers me because it then I think it adds to I've been reading about anticipatory grief and I think that is a lot of what I'm sort of going through now is the because it's the uncertainty of what's going to happen, where are we going to be? And I think that when I see busy places, I think, well, you know, it's, it's so against what we're trying to do. And I think that it really, really frustrates me. And I think, well, what that's when the, the, the anticipatory period, sorry if I've said it wrong, but the grief sort of comes in and it's just... Um, really it brings me a little bit to a child state of uncertainty and like not knowing where this is going to end up for our new bloody normal you know and I think that is where I'm at a bit now is just not being able to name when we're going to finish what it's going to look like how we're going to come out of it and I just want this togetherness and stop being scared of people you know like I hate I really I'm not even a really very sociable person myself but I think it's as you, you know what you was just saying Bob like you know McDonald's and stuff just stuff being that's not there no more it's like you know sometimes 
you know, you don't know what you want and then it's gone, it's taken and then you like, you sort of miss it or you see it. And I think that's, that's what it is. You know, it's great that McDonald's is shut for me because the kids don't eat the, that rubbish, but it's still quite sad because it's gone. Do you yeah. know, it's just not there and that's what it is. And I think this is follows on from a conversation me and Tonya were having kind of like um, a couple of days ago. And it was like, you know, I think having kids at this particular time is a little bit of a mindfuck really, is, isn't it? Especially if you're working because kids' future is also feeling really, really uncertain. Not only kind of school age kids, but, you know, people in their 20s who are, you know, generally use this time to... I don't know, work out who they are, do the things that kids do, hang out together, go to school. And like, you know, we were talking about it, weren't we, Tonya, when you were sort of saying, well, now, you know, you're homeschooling, uh, you work and, you know, you are actually a teacher as well. Um, but what actually uh, your kids are, are really missing because they're at those sort of certain ages, um, is kind of like that normality of being able to kind of like, you know, uh, I remember you saying in the uh, other uh, podcast that one of one of your kids wasn't able to like attend their prom and like they want to go to university and like have these experiences. Um, and they are really missing out on kind of like all of these like really essential things. Um, so yeah, I just kind of like really super aware that, you know, it's really difficult at this time, just like, you know, number one, being a parent and having the responsibility to teach, but actually watching your kids miss out on these really important life stages, you know? Maybe this is also something that I think is really happening. Like when I listening to all of you and, and kind of stuff I was saying, there's something about like our usual emotional responses to stuff being really distorted. Mm. So like, you know, kids generally, I mean, I know kind of this is painting a bit of a kind of rosy picture, but kids are generally kind of like excited and optimistic about the future. And now there's this dread. And, you know, generally we're kind of like excited, not excited, but like happy to see things kind of busy and there's a vibe. And now there's this anger towards that and frustration and kind of fear. And, and again, kind of what you were saying, Tony, um, just before about, like this fear of people, like I took the dogs out on, on Saturday and, you know, kind of speaking to dog owners and the stuff. And this guy had this really weird dog that has, was really aggressive towards other dogs on leashes. And so one of my dogs was on leash. And so this little kind of weird kind of dash and like tried to bite my dog. Anyway, that bit's not important. Um, but I just never heard of a dog <laughs> being really aggressive about like other dogs on leashes. Maybe it was trying to fight for like canine independence or something. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so but but so this this dog owner came up to me and he was just like, oh, I'm, I'm really sorry. Like Bruce is normally like really happy-go-lucky dog and explain the whole kind of leash thing. But I remember kind of you know we're outdoors and this guy was a bit close and I was kind of just like stepping back and keeping my distance. And again, it's just like an encounter where my emotional responses to it are really distorted because of COVID, mm. and that's really confusing. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the the interactions with people have completely changed, and things that you wouldn't necessarily think about 
you're kind of realizing like going into a shop and like the the kind of like facial expressions that you share with each other you know of like yeah you can go there or you know just this kind of like communication you have with each other without without talking is is massive and having a mask on you can't get that you can't smile at someone you know if someone's looking funny you can smile you know you can't smile at people you can't put people at ease you know you might be walking around with with a massive frown a scowl a frown I mean not frown scowl I mean you you know you might be just like sneering at everyone and they wouldn't know but but although you know you might be smiling and they think you're sneering at you know there's that that kind of like lack of understanding uh, when it comes to kind of communicating with, with other people which feels really strange mm. that set of eyes at the moment like peering out behind a mask just trying to communicate with people just like sneering at them now i smiled at somebody yesterday and i don't know if they knew i was smiling and you know it's like, yeah is this really um because i like non-verbal communication with I, I do it quite a lot around my way and yeah it's just gone now because you know it's, you can't do that anymore have to use our bodies more <laughs> Interpretive dance, skip through the aisles. <laughs> Do people feel like, because I was looking through the handout and looking at the different types of grief we covered last time. So there's the anticipatory grief and there was collective grief. Do people, are people feeling that kind of all around collective grief? Like, what are you feeling? What's, what's collective grief again? Like the collective is that thing of just like, you know, when something really huge happens to like, you know, a nation or a city like Hillsborough, or we talked about Princess Diana, like this kind of very, it's a very shared experience of grief because it's kind of happening to like, you know, in this case, all of us, but happening to a very high proportion of people. It's really difficult that one because I do and I don't. Mm. I've read a report that was out as well this morning and it's, it's coming out and um, you know it's about um, the wealthiest um, in this pandemic have been allowed to sort of you know there's been money funneled into their businesses or whatever and it's the frontline workers and people you know just just normal people that are actually like fronting it so I don't think I do think, and obviously the whole world is in this, but we're not all in it. We're not feeling it and going through it in the same ways, I don't think. You know, even, even I don't want to bring up schooling again, but even down to schooling, um, the way the private sector to, to public sector get taught are completely different. The food parcels they get are completely different. So, yeah, I, I'm a bit on the fence with well, I think the, the collective grief is more a case of like, yeah, I mean, you're right, because that's the kind of inequality of, of experience. But, but this is kind of more like... Um, I, would, I would say that possibly... Sorry, Ton, I, I jumped in there a bit, but, um, you know, I think social media has really sprung up and, like, the, the news, you know, like, I think I have gravitated a bit more towards social media um, even if I don't, you know, necessarily post or use it myself, it is a way where people are able to sort of stay in touch and share experience and kind of, you know, support each other, people who haven't met each other. Um, and, you know, like on 
the 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 news as well is kind of one way of sharing stories though I don't always necessarily <laughs> recommend the news for like you know um a, a good watch but you know I just think other people people are finding ways in order to try and stay connected as much as possible um because we are all going through you know I don't think, you know, everybody, as Bob just says, there are inequalities. And I think Heather, you know, touched on that as well. Um, and, you know, I think that though people's experiences with lockdown aren't necessarily similar, people are kind of, you know, experiencing it in that kind of same way through, through the lens of COVID. And, you know, I was just thinking myself just in terms of kind of like, you know, inequality is especially if you are you know um still working on your recovery with substance misuse and like you haven't maybe been in recovery that long like your sense of identity and your sense of self is like really diminished like you don't necessarily know who you are again yet and you know I feel that if for instance you've been doing recovery for a long time or like you know you're okay in in life maybe you're financially secure um I would say that lockdown could be manageable difficult you know every absolutely for for lots of different reasons but you know I think it was kind of something which Heather was saying which really kind of stood out to me is it's going to be so uh, much more challenging and have so many more hurdles if you don't have that strong sense of self like that real kind of center that you know can support you um and so collective grief, yes, like I think that that exists in some form or another, but um, inequality just gets in the way of us being able to be able to ex experience it completely on the same level, if you know what I mean. It's also weird kind of trying to experience collective grief when we're so disconnected. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, um, I think that's really true. And I think it connects to what Antonio was saying about the kind of opportunities that London offers. And, you know, particularly with recovery, so many people, you know, find their sense of who they are by experimenting with new things and trying new things and volunteering in different places or whatever it is. And, you know, often getting a sense of who you are from what you don't like and what you do like. And if so many of those things are gone, like that's, again, just a really, um, a really major loss. Yeah, it's a, it's a definite loss. And you know it's 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 difficult because a lot of the advice you know is we'll get out and go for a walk you know and like, obviously that really helps getting out and going for a walk really 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 helps but you know it's all those other things which help you kind of build up that you know sense of self again um and kind of like you know who who you are and yeah, I just think that that's, yeah, that's really, really uh, difficult right now. Um, and it's just, yeah, really worth mentioning. I mean, like you said, it's really, it is really diff difficult to, to conceive like a, a communal thing happening when we're all so segregated from that. Uh, and again, with, uh, you know, technology, being able to, you know, there's loads of WhatsApp groups, there's loads of Facebook groups that people are supporting each other. Um, you know, people who put parties on or DJs, 
uh, who can't, you know, do what they're doing are doing it online, you know, doing live live events that are kind of group things that you can all kind of share, like, you really like the song they're playing and all that. You can, you know, in this, like the chat thing in those kind of places, they're great. You know, they're really great. You do feel a connection with people because you're kind of experiencing the same thing, but in on your own, in your own kind of room kind of thing. But it, it doesn't obviously replaced from, from the, the whole, you know, being actually in a group of people. What Heather was saying about kind of doing things, like doing things virtually versus doing things live. Mm. And I remember going to my dad's dad died and the fact that I call him my dad's dad and not my granddad is really re revealing because I didn't have any relationship with him. And I remember going to this funeral. I mean, this is like not COVID times. This is like <clears throat> 15 years ago. Um, and just like crying my eyes out just from feeling like everyone else's grief. Mm -hmm. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? And like, I wasn't feeling that, you know, I didn't have any kind of personal kind of feelings about his, his dying. Um, but it was just like, the only way I can describe it is by kind of what was happening in the room and kind of what I was feeling off of other people, which, is missing from these kind of virtual things. Yeah. Okay, so one of the uh, theories we looked at in kind of like the first podcast um, was the Kubler-Ross five stages of grief. And uh, that just to kind of recap, um, the five stages are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Um, and one of the things, because we've been, I mean, COVID has been going on for so long right now, um, that, for instance, like you would think, oh, God, we should be at the acceptance stage right now, because surely we are kind of like, we've moved through the grieving process. Um, so we should be kind of like, okay with it right now. Um, so I wanted to ask you guys, like, what do you think of that? Bollocks. <laughs> Totally. <laughs> Bullshit. I, you know, I think Kubler-Ross actually said, and again, something we should research or someone should kind of research and just don't believe everything that they say. Um, but I think one of the things that I think Kubler-Ross said initially when she put her theory out about grief was that it takes 18 months to go through that process. Right. Which even then it's just like, okay, we're, we're at kind of like almost a year, but still like even at the 18 month mark, I don't think we're gonna like be all be acceptance. And it's one of the biggest criticisms of her model that how the fuck can you put a time scale on grief? Yeah, I would just say what a load of bollocks to that. <laughs> Absolutely. There's no, you know, there's no time scale and it goes on and on and on and it's not linear. Yeah. You know, you might think, oh, I've experienced that, I've done that, go on to the next one. And then all of a sudden you're back like three stages back or whatever you're, you know, you, you go all over the place and it's not, it's not a progression. Mm. You know, those, those, those emotions are there and, and you're going to keep feeling them. You know, it doesn't kind of like, I mean, they kind of like, I guess you could say that you kind of get used to being in them rather than fighting them, you know, uh, Mm. but but there's no kind of 
you know, there is no right or wrong way of, of, of experiencing it. And I think you can, we can see that with the, you know, the extended time that, that it is going on. It's kind of like, are we getting re, re kind of like re-grieving when we get new updates about what lockdown, are we expecting it to be better when we have bad news that, that you know, that we, it kind of sends us back. The, those sort of stages come up again. But they got, you know, it's it is kind of constant, uh, and you know, yeah, you'd think that you'd, you'd kind of be accepting of it now because it's been so long. But but obviously we, we're not, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I guess you find you try and find ways of dealing with those those emotions as they go on. I find I've. I've thought it quite interesting because normally when I teach Kubler-Ross, like the bargaining stage is the one that I quite often can't really connect to because quite often that's connected to people that are religious and, you know, like, oh, if only, you know, Johnny was able to be brought back to life, I'll be a good Catholic and I'll go to church every Sunday, whatever. Like, I've always found it quite hard to kind of connect to the bargaining stage. But it's been interesting. I feel like I've been finding myself doing lots of bargaining in my head. So, I mean, you all know this, but just for listeners, so I've got family in Singapore that I'm really close to, so I've not been able to see them for, you know, a year and a half now. And I find myself saying things like, oh, like, I'm, I'd be happy to give up all of the other freedoms um, as long as I could travel to Singapore, or saying something like, oh, you know, I don't care about traveling anywhere else, like, as long as I could travel to Singapore. So it's, it's kind of been interesting for me because I've, I've been doing the thing which I've never really connected to before, and all the other stuff depression, getting really angry. Yeah, and I think I suppose, yeah, my experience of it is not too dissimilar from what Heather was saying, because though I felt these emotions before, like, you know, I think at the start of COVID, like, you know, if any depression which was felt, it felt really new, or like, you know, there was a certain amount of numbness at the start of lockdown, I just sort of went, ugh. I don't really fancy feeling today um but you know revisiting these things like you know I I know the feeling now it, it feels it feels less new which which doesn't make it any you know easier actually I find that the stages like you know without a doubt moving through all sorts of varying degrees of emotions but with some kind of similarity because I felt them before um and, you know, I, I am in anger stage quite regularly um, and sometimes denial. I'm just like, no, it just ain't even happening. You know what I mean? Um, and sometimes that's quite easy. I, I, I love a little bit of denial when things get tough because it can just like, you know, it's just so much easier to pretend that something isn't difficult. Um, and, but it's interesting looking at, it, I suppose, just for myself through the five stages because you know, it gives you something tangible to hang on to that is like, okay, these are, you know, okay, you know, okay emotions, like, you know, we're human, we're, we're going to feel like this. Um, and it's okay, you know, not to just be like, well, I, sh I should be all right, you know, mm -hmm. I feel like I've been really, really, really lucky to, you know, have work during this, it's given me quite a lot to hold on to. And, uh, you know, obviously you kind of think, oh, you yeah, know, Jesus, I shouldn't really be feeling like this because 
I, you know, like Heather, I've got lots of friends who are freelancers or, you know, work in the events industry and, you know, they're out of work and they've lost kind of, you know, certain things which kept them busy. But at the same time, it's like, you know, we are human and we are going to sort of experience these emotions and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And sometimes from minute to minute, you know, it's, it's, it's really messy. Yeah. It is. It is really messy. Yeah. Go through all five stages in like one hour. <laughs> <laughs> all, all the phases of grief in like one hour. Yeah. And it takes a lot of energy as well. I was just thinking, I think it's the, I bargain with myself a lot to be positive and stuff like that. And it's, it's very, very tiring. Like, I think that's part of, um, yeah, it just gets me quite tired, the positivity and bargaining with myself that, you know, things can only get better. It can only get better. There's only one way up, you know, and I keep, so I, I'm quite, I don't know, I, I haven't, I was quite depressed in the in the first lockdown, but I think as Bex is saying, you know, it's, it's more, it's not great, but we're more familiar with it. So I think that my depression sort of comes out in, I've been watching so much bloody television and stupid programs that I swore I would never watch. So, but I'm crying at the slightest little thing. And they're things that you wouldn't even cry about, you know? And I'm just finding myself wiping tears away that is like, God, what are you like, you know? That's, what do you think's going on? I think it's coming out. It's, 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 it's stuff that is just coming out, you know, like that it's my own losses of stuff, you know, that it's just really, it's there. And, you know, things come out sideways if we don't sort of, mm -hmm. you know, deal with it. So I, I and I think I know that as well, because I think this is not even sad, you know, but I'm quite sad. And I think it's really difficult just sort of just, you know, I think we've said it, just keeping the everyday boring bloody things like washing and cooking and keeping it all, oh yeah, this is great, it's another day, let's get up and, you know, and let's let's do this, we can do this. And yeah, we, we're doing it and we can do it. But I, it's the mundaneness of it, you know. But yeah, I think my emotions are coming out when I'm, even an advert can make me cry right now. <laughs> can I just say, sorry, Tonya, I had experience really similar to you like over the weekend where I was laughing hysterically and crying at the same time, like both at the same time, like, <laughs> like, at once. <laughs> yeah. what were you, what was it in relation to? We had a bit of building work done on our house at the moment um, because it's some ceiling problems. Let's call it roof problems. So you can use your imagination to like what a pain in the ass that is. Um, and I just think that I had enough. I think I was just like, one more thing can not go bloody wrong with this house. Um, so I thought, number one, that was so funny. I was like, just thought it was hysterical. But the other the other side, the other kind of like crying side of it was complete stress and because we're in lockdown there's no way out the house so you're you're living with building works so it's exactly what Tonya was saying just an outlet for emotions it was just kind of like you know a bit of a hysterical blah I think it feels like um for me like there's a build-up of emotions because mm -hmm. we're, you know maybe we're disconnected from people so we're not expressing them or we're kind of what I was saying earlier about like our emotions are really distorted so they're almost a bit hard to keep track of and I think they just build inside and then I keep thinking of like some kind of some kind of lightning rod 
which could be the roof or it could be like an like an advert or it could be in Antonio's case the bin not getting emptied like there's just <laughs> these little things that on the surface are really kind of innocuous for me it's just like washing fucking tea towels and napkins <laughs> it's like a really disproportionate expression of anger but it's just like I'm not pissed off of the napkins it's the other stuff I think that's pretty spot on actually yeah I think when um I'm going to use my bin example but when you are stuck at home or there's not much going on in your mind because you're not doing stuff I think when you've got an issue, for example, the bin bag not being changed, normally when you're going out and living your life, other things come up and piss you off as well. But when it's only one thing that's pissing you off, it almost seems like unmanageable because it's the only thing. But when you go out and like live your life and solve all these other things, it's just a bin bag. <laughs> when you're a detective. When you're stuck with that one problem, you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> but we, we were having this chat the other day and I don't know if it's like um, Jung talks about this idea of like psychic energy. So it's not psychic as in like, oh, you can read people's minds. Psychic as in the energy of the mind. And we have like a certain amount of energy in the, of the mind. And sometimes when we do training days, like people say like, oh my God, I'm so knackered. And they're not physically tired, but like their, their brains feel fried. So it's a really good way of explaining how we have like a certain amount of kind of psychic energy and it gets used up and we feel depleted and generally sleep is the thing which restores it. And so I think like one of the things that going out does, and I've kind of noticed this myself, like when I go out to, to, the, to work and walk down to work, I'm stimulated. So, so my psychic energy is like, it, it's got something to munch on. So that by the time I come home, like my, my energy levels have gone. So I'm not lying in bed awake at night with all this kind of excess energy. So I wonder if there's something about kind of, you know, the bin is also just this kind of lightning rod for just a shitload, like massive buildup of this kind of unused psychic energy because you're not getting stimulated. That's probably why I wake up at four o'clock every morning thinking like my yeah. sleep pattern is totally sort of you know I used to like be getting up nice early every morning that was just body clock now I find I wake up around four go back to sleep around six and get up at eight mm. and and it's um yeah it's, it's a part of my energy thing that I really really want to change because I think that if I do I can help my my mental my, my mental health self Mental health self. <laughs> the self with mental health. Yeah. <laughs> my sleep pattern. But yeah, you know, I have not, and that probably there has just made me think maybe it is that because it is my mind is always working mm. at that, that time as well. So it's where I'm not stimulated as much in the, in the mind. Yeah. It'd be nice to have like a little release valve on the side of your head. It'd be lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, this sounds like um, a good time um, to wrap things up. So before we finish, um, I was just wondering what everybody, um, I suppose, will take away from the podcast today. Um, I am going to take away um, that it's okay to not be okay, and it's okay to be okay, and to not be okay, and to be okay, <laughs> and to be, yeah, just to be okay, and to be okay with that. <laughs> be okay with not being okay and that's fine that's okay fine. absolutely fine <laughs> Tonya's top tip yeah 
Well, actually, it's kind of similar to what I was thinking, because I was thinking, like, actually, I want to kind of take away that it's really okay to be confused. <laughs> and to have confusing emotions and to kind of, like, experience things that don't make sense. I am going to take away... No, <laughs> I can't say it. I'm going to take away it's okay to be not okay. Um, I am going to take away that grief and loss is a process. It doesn't last 17 months or whatever it is it has no particular time frame it doesn't have any particular kind of boundaries or it's not linear it's you know a process that is individual for everyone and everybody will feel it differently um so that's my takeaway from today um i think mine is that it's okay to obsess about stuff it's just your brain trying to like focus on something because there's not much to focus on. So if you want to obsess over the bin bag, just don't feel bad. Don't try and look for a reason. It's just your brain's way of focusing on something. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess what resonated with me was the fact of like remembering that, you know, there it is a process and it's ongoing. And the fact that we don't know when it will end and the fact that it's been going on for so long um whether it feels like 10 months or or not it's like it's still you know it's still this process that that we get that we are going to go through it and it, we are going to find it difficult and uneasy and you know we kind of like those kind of things that we found that we can use to help us get through no matter how you know strange or bizarre or what works works you know it's it's uh, i think it's important to to keep kind of trying to find out things that do work okay everyone well thank you very much for listening i hope this podcast was useful in a small kind of like helpful way um and yeah we'll we'll see you next time so um bye Bye from me. Goodbye. Thanks, Bex. Bye.